Welcome back to Screen Run. I am your host, The Lady One, and I'm here with... Chris Scalzo. Screen Run is the show where Chris and I discuss the works of a particular artist every season, and this season is Kevin Smith. Episode 7 is a journey back to the quick stop where it all started for Clerks 2. Pot on again, didn't I? Never before. 32 and you're flipping burgers? Is anyone else from our graduating class back there? And so many. Done so little. Sometimes I wish I did a little more of my life instead of hanging out in front of places. Maybe be an astronaut. Be the first to find a new alien life form. And nail it. What? And gone so far. No subject is too sacred. Those Hobbit movies were boring as hell. Say what you will about Jesus, but leave the rings out of this. No moment is too personal. I think there's something going on between you two. We had sex one night after work a few weeks ago. What? Where? Here on the prep station. Oh, that was just wrong. No dream is too big. We are gonna peep something we've been talking about since we saw Bachelor Party when we were 12. I'm disgusted and repulsed and I can't look away. Works too. One ring to rule them. One ring to find them. So Clerks 2 came out in 2006 and is the sequel to Smith's first film, Clerks. Once again, we followed Dante and Randall in a day at their new shitty jobs, working at a movies, the restaurant chain established in Dogma. So back are Brian O'Halloran as Dante, Jeff Anderson as Randall, and of course, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith as Jay and Silent Bob. Joining their slacker crew are Rosario Dawson as the boss slash love interest Becky, Trevor Furman as Elias, and Jennifer Schwalbach as Emma. So when did you first see Clerks 2, Chris? So I did see Clerks 2 in the theater, unlike Jersey Girl, which didn't seem to have the same pull for me. Mm. But I was all in on a revisit to the View Askew universe, to kind of to see where these characters were yeah. all these years later, and really to see if you can go home again. So uh, I rushed to the theater to see this one. What about you? So I didn't see this movie for years after it came out. I think I don't even remember it happening. Like I blocked it from my mind. And then... I think I saw it in like 2012 mm -hmm. and I saw it once and I hated it, but then I couldn't remember anything about why I hated it. Like well, this is either. a real opportunity then for you to revisit it. Now you're older, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a new, uh, maybe things have changed for you. So, yes. <laughs> so yeah. So I watched it again and I hated it again. <laughs> um, First of all, they're now younger than me, and that just was depressing. That does hurt, sure. Yeah, I was like, oh, God. Um, the opening scene is fantastic. Like, I loved that. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it, man, I was like, this, no. I oh, I was so upset. And so this is not available for streaming anywhere, like no rentals. So I had to buy this sucker on Amazon. Nice. <laughs> now I own this thing. Digitally, though, only digitally. So what did you end up shelling out for a film that you now hate? Well, that you re-hate. I'm, I'm mad about it. So I was I was like, I'll like it. I will. Like, I've 
I've grown as a person and I was probably just cranky about a sequel when I was younger and that's mm. it. I'll like it. And so I was presented with the screen of like $9.99 for standard definition or $12.99 for HD. And I was like, Oof. well, I can't cheap out at this point. No. I'll take the HD. So yeah, I spent $13 on a movie I'm never going to watch again. This thing should not cost more than 10 bucks in HD. <laughs> There's I mean, just no way. Me the option. That's, that's my bad that I was like, I don't know, HD? Yes? No, that's just insane. And this day, how old is this film at this point, right? It's what, 14 years? 14 years. No, you shouldn't be paying more than that. 13 bucks on iTunes as well. Yeah, you're not getting away from it. Yeah, I'm pretty mad about it. So, Especially because I hated it. <laughs> all right. Well, I we're going to have a major problem with this episode. Let's get into it. What is it that you hated about this wonderful revisit to the Viewerski universe that worked for me in 2004 and worked just as well for me today? Minus maybe a couple things that just don't really fly anymore. I know that The Lord of the Rings is not just three movies that came out, you know, while I was in high school. I know that that's not the entirety of The Lord of the Rings. However, I can't help but watch that argument and just be like, oh, I don't I don't care about that anymore. Like the debate about what's the better trilogy. I'm like, at this point, Star Wars fans will argue over trilogies. There's three of those. Like, I, I don't know. It was just that felt dated. They felt Dante and Randall both felt exactly the same as in the first movie, which doesn't feel OK. Mm hmm. It just it felt weird and self-serving especially the fact that the lord of the rings rant is like something kevin smith like said publicly was like his rant against those movies and then sure. he wrote it into his own movie so the, the whole thing the whole thing to me felt weird and sad and self-indulgent and i did not enjoy it that all right that's a preposterous statement let's break <laughs> let's break this down you're watching a film called clerks 2 uh -huh. All right, so the whole thing is basically going to be a bit self-indulgent, and it's going to be focused for a very small audience. Let's not forget as well that Return of the King had just come out the previous year, and we yeah. were a year away from the release of Rise of the Sith, the final film, right, in yeah. that prequel trilogy. Yeah. Excuse me, Revenge of the Sith, not Rise of the Sith. Excuse me. You're confusing it with your favorite movie, Rise of Skywalker. Exactly, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, still one of my favorite experiences from watching that film uh, opening night in the Dolby Theater is right at the end when someone yells, don't say it, don't say it, when she <laughs> says what her last name is. Ugh, so anyway, terrible. so I just think that you have to walk into this thing realizing that this is produced for a very specific group of people. But I'm those people. Well, this is the show I'm on. <laughs> so I don't understand how you could revisit these films walk, and be turned off by the fact that it's going to give you exactly what it's supposed to give you. That's like somebody serves you. So you go up to their store. All right, give me a chocolate fudge sundae. And they give you the chocolate fudge sundae and you throw it in their face and you're all pissed <laughs> off because you got it. Okay, first of all, you have to know my mindset was, I'm going to like this because I willingly paid $13 for it. Like I was mm -hmm. like so sure that I was going to like it this time. And like I said, I could not remember why I hated it the first time. I just, I immediately wrote off the fact that I had hated it the first time as like just silly youth. Like honestly, was like mm -hmm. basically treating this as a first watch. And a first watch as someone who spent the last, I don't even know how many weeks watching a Kevin Smith movie 
all the fucking time and reading about his stuff and listening to his stuff. And like, I'm in the mode for it. I'm ready for it. And I just was like, this feels very of the time, which even though Clerks is in the early 90s and it's in black and white, like it doesn't feel dated like chasing amy feels like a 90s movie but clerks is just a movie sure like things in it wouldn't happen if it was set now because you know like cell phones that, that kind of ruins like a lot of movie plots right. but right. it doesn't feel like take a journey back to me to 1994 and watch clerks with me but clerks too feels like do you want to live in 2006 we've got just the movie for you i guess i just <laughs> So I appreciate what you're saying in regards to the time capsule feel of it. Yeah. But I just, I think there is a, enough here to kind of get over that hurdle. I don't feel there's enough, like the whole cell phone, the fact that they have an internet kiosk inside the restaurant, uh, which is a weird thing to begin with anyway, but I guess it's just <laughs> a... Established as a, like a thing in movies. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't know. I just... I'm not bothered by that, and I don't hold that against a film just because it's... I would have some other issues I would hold against, but even then you have to look at them through the the time of when it was released, things that are just simply unacceptable now. That we, I mean, we lean back into the uh, homophobic jokes again, I think more so even than we did previously. I mean, I don't know if that's fair, but I just... A lot. Yeah, I don't... I, that didn't have an issue with me, is... The some of the dated issues that you're checking off here, I don't, I just don't have a problem with. So it bugged me to have the Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars debate because that's just a debate that Kevin Smith wants to have and win. Yeah. Like that's just he was like, I had this before, and man, what I said was so cool. I'm gonna put it in this movie. <laughs> so I don't like that. I don't in general care for the argument at all because I don't care. Like you're not going to change someone's mind. It's things that people love that much. I get that it's supposed to, like it's a callback to Randall loving Star Wars. Cool. That's a lot less unique now mm -hmm. in this movie. Now that we've been through all these other Kevin Smith movies where it won't stop coming up. Yeah, the, the debate didn't feel unique. It didn't feel interesting. That's just one part I didn't like. I didn't like the relationship between Dante and Becky. Really? I didn't because it, there's nothing wrong with Emma. That's fucked up, Dante. Well, that's, f listen, that's fine. And I think that take is entirely acceptable, but yeah. I don't think it's, and I, don't th and I don't think that's what the story that Smith is saying. It's more, I think it's Dante's weaknesses than it is hers not being a, uh, a sufficient enough partner for him or being a bad person. He does the same thing in Clerks, right? So yeah, I think it's it's done better in Clerks because we really do sit with the fact that he's got to make this choice, and Bob in Clerks is like, not all of them bring you lasagna. Like he points out that Veronica is a good girl, like she's right. a good girlfriend, and like you need to treat her right. You need to figure your shit out. Okay, sure, he makes the decision to to go back with the ex, and then like obviously it all goes to hell. Like. It makes more sense there and it's done better there. There's also a big difference between being on a break from college, your girlfriend's in college and you're talking to your high school ex, than being 32 years old and fucking your boss and getting your boss pregnant while you're engaged to somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's a life choice I'm not on board with. Right. And it's all just supposed to be romantic at the end because he decides to make a business decision in his life that she's now financially tied to as well. Like, 
well, like they throw it away like oh well you know emma's probably fine she's probably good but like that doesn't make it okay like that that's not i don't want that to be the relationship i'm rooting for in this movie because mm-hmm. in the first movie it didn't feel like they wanted you to root one way or the other it was like dante is figuring out what to do with this caitlin situation but he's having issues with veronica but he's hung up on caitlin but like this is like oh we want him to be with becky like the movie is doing that it was not good vibes for me i think the issue is that the central core of the film here's a problem the way you're laying this out i agree with you your statement (laughs) is factual and accurate and i agree with it okay the challenge i have with it is that it's the story smith is telling is about two guys who basically have this arrested development where they are still those guys from 1984 in the convenience store. Totally. So this character arc, sad as it is, does make sense. Now I can see where as a story, it's not a story you want to watch, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's a story that doesn't work within the confines of the uh, narrative structure that Smith has created. I think it it makes total sense uh, the way this plays out. I don't. I'm not, you know, giving it a thumbs up and a moral approval, <laughs> but it's still it works for the narrative of this film. I really struggle with it because it looks good, it sounds good. I like everything when they keep going outside and Jay and Bob are cracking me up, and that's at least still funny. But I just hate what is going on with our main three and a half characters. Elias is like a half character. Like, I don't, I don't like what's going on with Dante, Randall and Becky. I don't like it. I think Randall sucks this movie. Randall's my favorite part of clerks. And I absolutely hate Randall in this movie. He's awful. And Dante's just still as whiny as ever. But I didn't really like Dante in clerks. I liked watching how frustrated and sad he was. But in this one, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of a bummer. If like, Again, like it, the movie is different than the first one because it it has sort of an opinion on what's going on. I don't know if I if I agree with that. And and what's funny is I think Randall's character, his arc is the most interesting of the entire film, and he's the character that uh, I found I enjoyed the most following along because his mm-hmm. development. I think I think in this film he's more really the rock in the center of this film, more so than anybody else. So. It is I mean, so odd that we are so far apart on this. I, I don't think it is. <laughs> he right. like he, he definitely has an actual character arc in this movie versus the first movie. Like, sure. He has an emotional change. He has a fight with his best friend that like matters. Like it's there's real stuff there. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the time he just sucks. Break That's that down. It. What is it about his character in this film that sucks that you just he feels there feels like there's like a nastiness behind the things he's saying that there didn't feel like there was in the first movie. Like he was an asshole in the first movie. He spit in the guy's face. Yeah. He maintains being an asshole, but like somehow it didn't feel like I hate you and I'm doing this at you and to you. It's because I hate you. And that's how it felt watching this one was that like, he's an angry, hateful person and this is how he's acting out versus in the first one. It felt like he's just kind of like a selfish dick and he's not even thinking about anybody else. It's just funny to him. And this didn't like, there was no humor in his stuff to me this time. I wonder what the discrepancy is here. Cause I didn't get that implication from, I didn't get that from him at all. I, it seemed to be just me a natural extension of who he was in Clerks, the fact that he is older. Perhaps he's a little angrier because, again, 
he's still doing the same thing he's doing, yeah. you know, how many years longer? Year, years yeah. previous. No, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm mm. saying I don't fucking like it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Like that guy who was an asshole at the video store and worked there for 10 years until it burned down and now is flipping burgers. I get that he's still an asshole. I get that he's more of an asshole now. Mm -hmm. But as the person who loved the first movie and that was their favorite character, I don't like him anymore. I can't enjoy his character in this movie the way I truly enjoy every moment of him in the first Clerks. Well, you're entitled to your opinion. I, I respect <laughs> that. I think that's fine. Can we talk about the most offensive scene in the movie, which is not a guy fucking a donkey? Um, yes. <laughs> can we talk about Randall at his worst? Because I don't understand that entire joke in the movie. I, no, I was going to say I get what Kevin Smith thinks he's doing, but I don't because even watching the commentary, they don't even fucking talk about it they just keep talking about other stuff so i need him to back up his joke and i need to understand why he thinks it's funny to say the n-word we need to break down what we're talking about here so there's yeah. a scene in the film where wanda sykes and earthquake two comedians come in as customers and they order some food and then there is this side conversation between rosario uh and and o'halloran and uh Anderson. While they're talking about it, Anderson uh, uses the term porch monkey, which he mm -hmm. does not know, his character does not know, is a racial slur. Yeah. So then what happens is he starts saying, well, that's not a racial slur. And then he starts listing off all these other terms that he yeah. knows are racial slurs, one of them being the N-word, right? Uh -huh. So ugh, how do you talk about this? So I don't... <laughs> This I mean, scene, I didn't. I, you don't know this, how either. The scene is uncomfortable for me. It's awful. Um, it wasn't obviously at the time because I was a lot dumber back then with this stuff. <laughs> I, I was full in my you know white male privilege, nothing impacts me type of thing. Mm -hmm. So it didn't. To me, it's just a joke. What's the big deal, right? Just get over yourself. Yeah. When he does say the term and he does use, say the word, he does say it. He is yeah. listing off all the other things. So while yeah. it's uncomfortable, I don't. It's not up to the cardinal sin of him actually calling somebody that, which I yeah. think would have a much, much more, a much deeper impact and much, much more offensive than him just doing the ignorance that he is portraying. And then there's a running gag for the rest of the film mm -hmm. where he has the, you know, what is it? Is it porch monkey for life on the back of his Jersey yeah. of his yeah. shirt? Cause he's like trying he, to bring it back and reclaim yeah, it. Cause it's not it. offensive. Because yeah. he had no idea that it was yeah. offensive. And I don't know if we should have done a trigger warning ahead of time with me saying that phrase now twice. So here's the thing. I had never even heard that phrase until this movie. Oh, no. Okay. I, like, I, I never even that. heard it. So the idea that he doesn't know it's a racial slur, like I can accept that because I didn't even know that. Like I right. never heard that term. So I was like, okay, like I, I get the idea, but like, why the fuck is it happening in this movie? Like, this is a movie in which earlier, as we talked about, Kevin Smith basically put his own anti-Lord of the Rings rant into another character's mouth so that it could be said again. So is this Kevin Smith's take is like, no, I'm going to take it back. And like, is this a, a funny joke he was trying to make is like listing all of these things? Because all you've done is in case anybody didn't know every single one of them, now you've taught them some more words. Kudos, like congrats. Like what the fuck is the point? It's just so 
other than like the joke on the back of his shirt the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. what are we doing? I'm not even hesitant to state that the naming of the other slurs or the use of the other term is an endorsement of those words. I I think it's I think it's it's just Smith who uses his filthy humor. We have a bestiality scene in this film, or as some people call it, hey, fucko. We like to call it interspecies erotica. All right, which is still horrible and and illegal, I may add. Yeah. yeah. But still, it's he's a man who operates, maybe at least back then, the same way a lot of people, and I would hesitate to say even even I would have, though I wouldn't be doing a lot of racial humor <laughs> at that time. Uh, but saying that it's a joke, lighten up, and it doesn't. I don't really, you know, it's in that. I, I feel that that's just in his wheelhouse of things that he thinks are acceptable for humor. I don't yeah. think that he is some secret clan member who is trying to sneak in some alt-right humor in this film. I think yeah. it's more just he's one of those people that would firmly state that there basically are no boundaries in comedy. And this scene seems funny to me. So let's do it. It's so stupid and terrible and like I, I get the joke of a donkey show. I get that joke. Also, nobody really fucked that donkey. Like right. <laughs> it didn't really happen. But right. Randall really says that word with a hard R. Like it really is said repeatedly. So it's it it's not the same kind of comparison to make. Like there's an entire entire conversation about whether or not it's okay to go ass to mouth and we haven't even gotten to that yet because i am just so mad at this scene mm-hmm. like i'm fine with everything else in it it's not like i wa- like finished watching this movie and was like wow every single moment was so offensive i was like wow a lot of this wasn't funny and holy shit that part was not okay to the point where like i can't watch that movie like i can't yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's weird because I feel like I'm put in a position where I have to defend it, which I don't you know. Definitely don't. I don't think I have. I don't think is a thing I want to do or think I am doing. I'm. I just feel that it's. I don't. I just don't see Smith as. I. I don't see any of this. Or I don't recall any of this in any of his other films. I don't know. I just. I think it's. I think it's him thinking it's going to be something really funny that's just a complete misfire. But I. I. Think I, so I, too. I apply no kind of animosity or, or uh, um, evil subtext to what he's trying to do. I just think he thinks this would be a really funny scene. I think it's definitely a misfire in something he thought would be super funny. Mm-hmm. And I think you brought up that they don't mention it in the commentary. And Correct. I've listened to two of the commentaries, and I. St- I got about halfway through the third. And it doesn't come up in any of those. No. And it is, which either A, I think where you're leaning towards is like they know that this was not appropriate and they should not have done it, so they just gloss mm-hmm. over it. Mm-hmm. Or B, in my camp where it doesn't even occur to them, which is a level of just willful ignorance probably, yeah. or at least ignorance you would assign to a couple of um, you know burgeoning middle-aged white guys who basically just don't they have the privilege of not having to think about that stuff yeah i think for me had i watched the commentary and they got to that part and he was just like yeah man totally whiffed on that one thought it was going to be hilarious did not read the room won't do that again i wouldn't still be complaining about this Mm -hmm. on this show right now like this is a person who put up a silly disclaimer before dogma 
to make sure religious people wouldn't get mad. The fact that you care enough to do the studio thing about what religious people would think, but let this slide is just like, oh, okay. Like it's a nice little insight into like some fucked up priorities. An acknowledgement to just say like, yeah, super not proud of that moment, but you know, it is what it is would have changed things for me, but just to keep talking as to not address it. Like you said, it's either because I'm so uncomfortable, I don't want to address it, which is not a Kevin Smith kind of thing to be, mm-hmm. or I don't even think this is an issue. I'm just not going to address it. And that one's a huge problem to me. Well, I think part of it too is both of those prior issues, the one in Dogma and again, the one in Chasing Amy, where they got some flack from Glad. Right, yeah. were, were controversies yeah. that erupted at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything about Clerks 2 in that particular scene, that being an uproar no. anywhere, which again no. is part of it. I think, like you say, he's not afraid of talking about controversy or if he's screwed up on something. Yeah. I, we listen to enough of his commentaries that he is open in, to talk about that stuff. And he'll totally. say if he agrees with it or not. So yeah. I, I think it's just another example of, you know, that white privilege where you just, you don't, you're not impacted by it. You don't have to think about it. And he mm-hmm. just doesn't, it doesn't hit home for him how that would, imp- could impact uh, other people. It just doesn't connect. He doesn't think about it. Yeah. Ugh. All right, we've settled it. Randall's a racist. What's next? <laughs> oh, Randall. Oh, so I have to talk about this since we're talking about the commentary. Mm-hmm. This was the this is like the regular cast commentary was the one that I listened to. Okay. And there is a part at the end where Kevin Smith sort of entertains to the cast. Like, what if clerks hadn't been clerks? Like, what if we made it kind of nothing ever came from it? Where would you be? And I was like, that's a really interesting conversation to have with with your, you know, recurring yeah. collaborators. Like it was a really thoughtful, insightful question. I, I very much enjoyed everybody's answer, but the fact that Kevin Smith was unsure if he had been a failed filmmaker, if he might possibly be some asshole on the internet criticizing other people's work <laughs> was astonishing to me. Yes. Like I know it's 2006, so it's before he has a million podcasts, but like he really wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, and his feud like, with P.T. Anderson, I think that was running at that time. He just doesn't know himself. How? Yeah. How are you not sure if you just wouldn't be on movie poop shoot? Right. From you would have created it. Like, how do you not? Th- how are you so unaware of who you are that you can't even be like, oh, yeah, I'd be ripping shit up? It was crazy to me that that was not a bit that he was like, no, nah, I don't know. I mean, I think I would just like kind of, I don't fight with people just to fight with people. It's like, well, they do call him out on that. And I think he does come around and say, you know, I guess you're right. I guess I would be. Yeah. Takes way too long for him to come to grips with who he is as a human on the most obvious level. Mm. All right. So you hated the film again, Fucking even more so. It. Yeah. Yeah. Felt so you- vindicated. I'm extra angry because I spent money. But I'm, I just, I listen, I felt that this for Smith was a return, not just a return home after the, the unfortunate failure of Jersey girl. I mean, it wasn't an absolute bomb, but it just did not perform as though they, that they had hoped and anticipated. Yeah. I felt that for me, this was almost like a seismic leap forward for him for storytelling technique. 
also a marked shift in how they shoot films, right? The Oh, it looks so good. The camera moves around a lot more because a lot of his films are focused on dialogue, right? So we have a lot mm-hmm. of stationary shots, but not so much yeah. in this. They have a lot of fun little crane shots or like the way the film, is that how it opens? When we kind of go from the top of movies and we follow the customers out and then they yeah. pull in. I mean, a lot of little different things like that. And I think it's, it, makes more, it makes a more interesting viewing experience. Mm-hmm. I think he handles the emotional relationships amongst our characters a lot better in this film than he has done previously. I think chasing Amy being the previous high watermark, but that scene in the jail cell with, with Randall and Dante, I mean, uh, I think Randall is fantastic in that delivers the best performance I think I've ever seen from him. Granted it's limited to these films, (laughs) but what he's able to emote in that scene in particular is just fantastic. So it's, I don't know, I I think there is a newfound kind of maturity in his filmmaking for what that even means, air quotes, that, you know, that we've really, I think, progressed past those prior films. And the themes for this film are kind of universal, at least they are for schlubby white guys like myself. (laughs) So I just think this is a much, this is a big step forward for him, for me, Mm -hmm. though, Clearly, you do not have that same take. Maybe technically you would, but... Yeah, no, it looked... Like I said, it looks great. It, I felt... I think part of it is the quality of performers that he has, but part of it is also probably a refined way of writing after writing so many movies at this point. It, it felt less jarring as people are delivering what are clearly like Kevin Smith rants. Um None of them kind of really jumped out at me the way they have in other movies where I'm just like, I can just hear him telling the person how to say it. Like They felt like more honest performances. I felt like those people portraying a role instead of everybody. I don't even know how to explain it. Everybody just with a Kevin Smith person inside of their suit and just like shouting his words. Like that is to go way, way back. Like that is everything that Renee says in Mallrats. Everything Shannon Doherty says is Kevin Smith. Like mm-hmm. it just feels like she's just trying to say it the way he wants her to. And I love her character in it. I think she's fucking hilarious. She's got some great lines because they're his lines. But in this movie, it never feels like I'm just hearing him through somebody else's mouth. Like I said, part of that's the writing, part of that's the actors. And then obviously it looked great. It looks really good. There's a dance number. Who knew he'd be able to pull that off? Right. It's. I agree with you with the the delivery of the of the lines as well. I mean, the most egregious example, and understandably, would be Clerks, where everybody is just his cipher. Everybody is his yeah. voice, particularly the women who are not very well written at all. And and yeah. I think that here it's much much better. And perhaps that's because Rosario Dawson really is fantastic in this film, and she oh, yeah. actually I think makes you believe that she would care for a guy like Dante. Right, I, yeah. I, I bought into that relationship. I really did. And it's, I think it is, again, just another example of, I think, how his writing has matured a bit. He still does, goes back to the same well, though they consciously decided not to revisit a lot of the clerk's jokes because they didn't want to just rehash the first film. But mm-hmm. you do get your Star Wars, you know, uh, um, yeah. mentioned. But still, I think the women in this are uh, much better portrayed, particularly too in uh, Jalen Sound and Bob Strike Back, where they really just a lot of scenes just exist to present some sex appeal to the uh, mm-hmm. you know the teenage boy audience. 
Dawson, yeah. I think, is much better in this film, though she has her her moments, particularly perhaps on that that dancing scene with her on top of the roof, which I think is really focusing on her physically more so than it is as an actress. But still, yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, yeah, I just I agree, but I think yeah, this is a big step forward for him. Yeah, I, I mean, she's great in this. But she's not so great that it kind of ruins everybody else. <laughs> right. Like she, she, she's playing in, like in the same pool as them, and it's good. She's definitely a much better written character than any of the women in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, and she's a better performer than you know Veronica and Caitlin were. Like she's she's great. So yeah. that's that's an improvement. I will say that I don't feel like Emma's a well-written character at all though that's she's she's basically not a character no that's true she exists basically to just get dumped and yeah to uh, try and portray this this partner of dante's who is really excited to spend the rest of her life with him which of course is a bad thing for some reason so yeah yeah. it's i i don't i generally don't like it when they like villainize a girlfriend in a movie and Mm -hmm. they're just like like the the closest it kind of got in this was like that she's controlling, but I mean, look at the dude. He needs a little bit of help with his choices. <laughs> like <laughs> he didn't just like, you know, fall into this. Like right. people in relationships, sometimes one person will be more controlling in a particular aspect of that shared experience. And sometimes that is not a necessarily a bad thing. If he wasn't going to plan this wedding, she needed to plan it. Yeah. And like him being like, well, I thought if I didn't plan it, it wouldn't happen. is just like reinforcing some bullshit stereotypes about marriage. Like yeah. it's, eh, it felt really lazy, especially weird to, you know, that that's Kevin Smith's like wife playing that role of like terrible fiance. <laughs> and like, I know that wasn't what his plan was. He wanted her to play Becky. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's really, really uh, unpleasant to listen to him on the commentary. We talk about how Harvey Weinstein just said no. And that's how it had to be because we do what Harvey wants. That was hold up to listen to at all. It was just, Oh, I'm uncomfortable. But I mean, it, it makes sense. Like she's nobody who's just, only in the director's movies because she's married to him. Like, sure. It makes sense that you're like, you want somebody to put on the poster who people are going to know, but it is still like weird in an effort to make her in the movie. Anyway, he throws her in as girlfriend who gets dumped. No, that's true. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> it's like, uh, a little weird. And I got to admit too, I uh, watching all the behind the scenes stuff, listening to the commentaries, all of that stuff, particularly too watching the making of documentary, there's actual scenes of the Weinstein brothers and them talking to them and stuff when they, they go to con and it's just, it is, it makes your skin crawl, you know, ugh. knowing everything we know about just that slime ball now. It's just, ugh. Ugh. yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about something completely different? Sure. <laughs> you want to talk about your uh, DVD situation for this movie? Oh, so yeah, when this came <laughs> out, I was very excited. They actually made like a happy meal special edition packaging so which i still have to this day it's a little (laughs) worse for wear there's a couple tears but the dvd gift set it's basically got a reproduction of the poster but smaller and uh it's you know on the back of the box there's a maze a word search connect the dots (laughs) um they have the theme the words for the movie sing-along for the theme the movie theme so there's a lot of that, and then it also included a visor that I was I'm modeling <laughs> for uh, Ms. Juan right now, as well as a mug. A mug. I keep saying mug. Just one of those plastic cups, a straw, 
and then a fun employee name tag. I will be sure to take pictures and post them all in the notes for the show so you can see all the little goodies that you got when you bought this super special edition gift set. So there you go. Yeah, you got all that stuff with your DVD and all I got with my Amazon digital purchase just was an immediate sense of regret. (laughs) Yeah, I probably made out in that one. That's probably true. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I wish I had a visor. Not, nobody, not everybody can be as cool as me. It's I got to wear this out more often. That's what I got to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm already married, so I don't really need to attract anybody. <laughs> we call it the panty dropper. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. All right. Anything else that we've missed that we need to say about? I would just say family? that it's not as intense an experience as Clerks. And of course, it's not as raw and as immediate a film as that one is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that original film kind of hums along like a bullet train. And it's filled with laugh out loud moments and, yeah. and just, I think, maybe the right amount of raunch. This is a slower, kind of easier film to digest for the most part and a bit of a more a more mature work. I really enjoyed this revisit. and It still held up for me for the most part outside, of course, as we talked about the unfortunate racial scene with, mm-hmm. I guess we would say, the deck simians phrase i'm not quite sure i'm regretting having said it earlier it's from for some reason now and then uh of course there is the uh you know kinky kelly and the stud i did not find that offensive at all good for you that's still (laughs) is that that good for me i'm worried um (laughs) so let's just go through then really quickly our few askew connections Mm -hmm. so obviously returning main characters dante rantel jay and bob our returning players are we have uh, Jake Richardson and Ethan Supley play the first two customers for Jay and Bob. Jake is in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And so he hears the same song from Jay. Um, Ethan Supley obviously is in a handful of our things that we've covered. Yep. And uh, again, Jennifer Schwalbeck is back. Um, we also have a brief cameo from Ben Affleck as gawking guy, a uh, customer who is just watching watching some <laughs> unhygienic making out on the counter. And uh, Jason Lee has a bit of a longer cameo as uh, a high school friend who's their customer movie is making fun of them with all of his My Name is Earl facial hair in full effect, mm. like does not vibe with the popped collar polo that was 2006. But, sure. you know, you got you to gotta keep that NBC paycheck going. So <laughs> Earl wins out. And then also Scott Mosher has a cameo. Harley Quinn Smith has a, we can call it a cameo. She's still a small child. Right. And uh, we also have Walt Flanagan and the original milkmaid, Grace Smith, shows up right at the end when they reopen the quick stop. She's back in there looking for that like long expiration date gallon of milk. That's right. Still, still there. So those are all of our View SQ connections. So do we want to get into all of the ratings and the favorites and all of all of this fun stuff? Sure, let's do it. I'm going to go first here with my favorite performance because yep. I have spent almost an hour just complaining and <laughs> I have not said very many positive things. But in particular, I haven't said a positive thing about my favorite performance in the movie, which is Jay. He made me laugh the whole time. He looks healthy, so it made yeah. me feel happy. Like versus watching Dante and Randall like be called out for being 32 and flipping burgers. And I'm like, fuck, I'm older than them. Like then now I'm sad. 
Yeah. But Jay looks good. Like he looks yeah. good. You can tell he's feeling good. He's funny. He's silly. He was my favorite performance. I was enjoying the Jay. I think that's fair. And you get the tuck scene, which is one of the better <laughs> moments know. in the history of the USQ universe. When the song yeah. kicks in and he's like, ooh. <laughs> just... I feel like that might be my favorite moment in the entire movie is his response to the music starting. Yeah, it is great. I think you're right about that. He is a lot of fun in this, and it's nice to see him, yeah. you know, now sober. So that is well. good. Uh, yeah. I kept going back and forth myself between Dawson and Anderson. Yeah. And uh, I think Dawson kind of just, she's always been for me, just kind of, even back with kids, her debut, she just has a certain quality. I can't really, mm-hmm. you know, just that, that superstar quality. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think in the end, I have to go with Anderson, the one of the mm-hmm. least favorite things in the film for you. Yeah. But I think he his performance with that confession at the end, or uh, when he's talking to Dante in the jail cell, I just it's he delivers something I didn't think he was capable of doing, and it's yeah. one of the more touching moments in any of the VSQ films, and it's really that's what sold me on it. So that's what, I guess I'm going to go with Randall. Uh, what is your favorite reference? In this movie. And that can be two outside things or two inside the viewers universe. I feel like, because it's symbolic as well as a really great visual, is just when Dante opens up the shutters of the quick stop and it's in black and white, but the flames are in color. Yeah. And that was very, very effective in a very smart way to start the film. And then Mm -hmm. we end with the color fading out of the film and going to black and white as as we pan away from Dante yeah. and Randall uh, now at behind the quick stop, you know, counter one more time. So I really, I know it's a weird, maybe a little weird thing, but just opening up the shutters with the colored flames at the quick stop with everything that represented um, was probably my favorite. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. The, the best parts of the movie, in my opinion, other than Jay responding to Goodbye Horses, is the start and the end, like the first shot and the last shot are so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love that. So my favorite reference is really similar because I didn't really enjoy any of the pop culture stuff yeah. in this particular one, the way I normally do. So I really liked Dante painting Becky's toenails after he was painting Veronica's fingernails yeah. and clerks. Like it was just, it was so cute that he's just like, this is a thing that I do when I like a girl, like mm-hmm. it is just very cute and sweet and nice callback to uh, the first clerks without being it in like a silly way of like you mentioned what they wanted to avoid, like repeating jokes. Yeah. Now it's 38, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's true. Exactly. Even though, you know, Dante's still a slime ball, right? Cause yeah, he's, it's uh, fine. he's okay. still, he's still not on board with his. Would that be technically cheating? Because that's an emotional act. What do you think? Just take out the fact that he slept with Becky, but having, is that an intimate moment to be painting a, a younger, another woman's, toenails yes yeah okay. yeah for sure i would like, think it would be considered cheating but it's uh yeah i mean they're literally like having like a, a very uh emotional conversation during all of that like it's uh mm. it's not okay oh dante oh dante all uh, right all right favorite <laughs> favorite line i'm gonna go first because i feel like you're gonna have a better one than me because i didn't like that many lines but just <laughs> shut the fuck up go bot just really got me <laughs> like i i think that was probably the only time that i just like guffawed like watching it like it was just like it just it felt genuine it felt like something you would really say in that moment and not a line on a page and mm-hmm. i i enjoyed that part i think mine is it's reminiscent of the one we already played 
but I'm going to go with the full version because it's this version at the end is one that I would re repeat with my friends kind of over and over whenever we could find a way to work it in. Showtime! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and you Elias, straight from the debauchery capital of the world. Hey, you want a Mexico? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, yes. Get ready for some hardcore bestiality. Interspecies erotica, fucko. <laughs> Interspecies erotica at its finest. Straight from PJ, I give you Kinky Kelly and the Sexist Dud. So it's the Interspecies erotica, fucko. So we, yeah. we would say that after this film came out all the time. Yeah. It was tough to work in. It's not easy. Yeah. But oh. uh, yeah, whenever we could. There's something about that that just always just killed me i'm not quite sure why I mean, it's a it's a solid delivery it really is so there you are okay well i'll, I'll give the first rating because i think mine's pretty obvious but yours uh -huh. i'm wondering you know how low can this limbo bar go mm -hmm. and uh, i'm giving it four golden movies i really yeah no i'm not messing around i really wow. love this i loved it at the time and it still works for me so there you go i feel like i'm gonna need to sit with that for a minute mm-hmm Wow. I mean, I hated it. I gave it a one, one movie. You wow. get one. Like I, I really fucking hated it. And I complained a lot about a lot of things in chasing Amy. Mm -hmm. I think for that one, I didn't like how it made me feel, but I was still like, I can see this as a good movie. I did not enjoy the way this movie made me feel. And then it also just kind of like left a bad taste in my mouth just in general for the the journey thus far of these movies, I was like, eh, I felt like we were going somewhere and I don't like this. I don't like where we went. I would rather just watch Clerks a hundred times than ever have to watch Clerks 2. That pains me. It does. I'm sorry. I just, I really hated it. it makes I wanted me, to like it. It makes me feel better that you had to spend $13 to, to, uh, <laughs> to watch it and now you own it, but it does yeah. still bother me. That's too bad. Yeah. I wish I could give it away digitally <laughs> this is our biggest discrepancy it is like, indeed i did not anticipate this that's like, all right right now so i'll tell you i haven't seen other than jay and silent bob reboot i have seen nothing else oh. that kevin Smith has made i'm going in blind for the rest of this now until we get to the reboot uncharted territory for you yeah all right this is gonna be weird so we're far apart in this rating on this one i have no idea what's gonna happen after this well so next up is Zach and Miriam make a porno. So I'm, I think you might be okay with that one. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen that since it came out, though I do own the Blu-ray. So we'll have to, we'll have to check that out. I, I remember really enjoying that one. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I will watch it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. That's what's next. I'm very excited for you to be able to experience something like that. It's like it's like watching Empire for the first time. You know, it's going to be a, or Psycho. Oh or, you know. I'm I'm really ready. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> going to clear my calendar. All right. So until then, you can find Screen Run anywhere podcasts are found. Please give us a rating and a review. Subscribe to the show. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at the Lady One. That's W A N. And Chris is at C G Scalzo. And you can find all kinds of fun information on screenrun.fun, the best website on the internet. That's right. All right. Next episode, Zach and Mary make a porno. We'll see you all then. Bye. Bye.